Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, the Travelers Championship. First look, research, preview, maybe some early picks. Probably want to wait till the conclusion of the U.S. Open to make those finalized picks. Good thing. Myself and Jeff Feinberg will be recapping the year's third major and providing all our Travelers picks on Monday's show on the Pat Mayo Experience. Still... A day or so to get in that draw for $500 cash. What you need to do, especially if you're watching the video version, you can really help us out this way. I mean, sub to the channel while you're here if you're not and smash the like, obviously. That goes without saying. Here's what I am going to say, however. Subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars. Pat Mayo Experience. Audio podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You do both those, you get 15 ballots apiece into the draw and it'll help push us towards the top of the charts which would be fantastic if you want to help out the show that's how you can do it and one lucky person is just going to get five hundred dollars cash in their hand so please go do that right now do it while you're watching the show make it super easy on yourself additionally the listeners league link is not available as of yet it'll probably be in monday show 2500 spots this week then i'm back with tambo on wednesday tuesday i have a very special show with someone fun in the daily fantasy golf community so i'm looking forward to that and then you know rest of the shit that we're doing we got football coming up we got more cuss corners uh we're not going anywhere and we're just ramping up had a great week at the u.s open in terms of content i don't know how the bets are going to turn out they're not looking great at the moment that i can tell you but in terms of the content i was super happy with it people really seem to like it uh and you know it just keeps us going when sometimes you know you you do a lot of shows and even shows like this one i do the research show some are better than others some are good some are I mean, bad is probably, you know, don't want to say anything is bad, but some are just treading water a lot of the time. Like, here's the info. Let's get to it. Let's talk about it. And then some get elevated above. I really felt like for we did a full slate at the players, the Masters and the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open really felt like we hit our stride this week at the U.S. Open. So hopefully when we go back to full blown content for the Open Championship, we can do the same thing as well. Let's talk about the quick info that you need to know about the Travelers Championship. This is a designated event, so most of the top players in the world, at least on the PGA Tour, or what we know previously as the PGA Tour, are going to be in attendance. So we haven't seen a tournament like this at TPC River Highlands since the COVID years. The third tournament from the COVID break, it went Colonial, Heritage, Travelers and guys started like petering off a little bit when the Travelers Championship came around. Still, it's the best field that I've ever seen at this tournament, and that is the one tournament that's going to be the closest to this one in terms of field strength. 156 players in the field this week. Uh, it's a pretty easy course. Uh, it's in the Northeast. It's just outside of Hartford and Cromwell, Connecticut. I live there to get my tax breaks probably a pretty savvy idea i think golf channel's super close to this as well when they relocated from florida i believe they're very close to cromwell or somewhere in connecticut's just not that big you're, you're close to everything in connecticut um like i said most of the top players the three that i'm really kind of focusing on though which i'm really excited for sam bennett's going to be in the field michael thor bjornsson's going to be in the field and ludwig aberg is going to be in the field as well all on sponsors exemption so you get an amateur and you get two guys that just turned pro Two of the guys that have been previously the best amateurs in the world. So that's always exciting. The Travelers has a good history of inviting these guys to come play in their tournament. So I'm glad, even with the designated status, that we are seeing that again this week. Let's talk about the course, though. I mentioned it is TPC River Highlands. And it is the second shortest 
course on the PGA Tour. More on that in a second. It's a par 70, bent grass greens with the Poa mix, 6,841 yards. Looking at the course overall, the average distance of the par 3s is 189 yards. The shorter number 11 is gettable, and only 9% of the field bogeyed it last year, the second lowest on the course, but all three of them actually play over par, the other ones, they're amongst the six toughest holes, so the teeth of this course is where there's going to be the par threes, a lot like Heritage in that way, again, another Pete Dye course. Worth noting, too, before I completely forget this, that the last two times that the U.S. Open was on the West Coast, so for Torrey Pines and Pebble Beach, and the Travelers is always the week after the Open Chain, or the U.S. Open, sorry, that both of, like, the jabroni guys that finished super highly at that tournament ended up winning the Travelers. So you take a look at the top of the leaderboard at Pebble Beach. Woodland wins. Rom is there. Brooks is there. And then, like, Chez Reevy is there, too. What do you do? He won the next week. And then you look at Torrey Pines. Rom wins. Louis in the mix. Bryson. Brooks. Morikawa. Harris English ended up coming third or fourth. Who wins the next week? Harris English. So keep an eye on that if, like, Denny McCarthy sneaks inside, like, the top five at the U.S. Open or some random dude. I wouldn't classify Sam Bennett as that guy because he's supposed to be really good so it's more of like your uh to put it in a wrestling parlance your intercontinental champion maybe even like the european champion from the attitude area if that guy just ends up doing well at the uso it's like he makes a real deep run at the royal rumble maybe you get elevated and hey maybe you can win an elevated event uh, more on the field in a second, because some of the bigger names are yet playing this tournament, but, you know, most of them are. It's just most of the guys that play who played at the Canadian Open are not going to be playing this week. The par fours average distance, only 417 yards. This course ends with a pair of par fours that have both played over par last season, including a course high 5% double or worse rate on 17. So tough to close. Fierk did shoot an 58 at this course in the closing round at one point. I believe that was the year that Bubba ended up winning. The average distance of the two par fives 549 yards the two easiest holes on the course checking in with a birdie or better rate of over 35 percent apiece including a three percent eagle rate on number 13 so take a giant overview it is a pete die track and there has been considerable crossover of the top end of the valspar leaderboard riviera phoenix over the years and it goes beyond just bubba watson who won this tournament three times and won at riviera uh paul casey Used to have a ton of basically, if you like, if you went to live, you used to play this course great. Uh, and Brian Harmon, he actually plays this one really well. Maybe Brian Harmon is the answer to this question. Dustin Johnson won here, Kevin Streelman, Jordan Spieth. Uh, those three, I mean, Streelman and Spieth have both won the Valspar and Travelers in their career. I don't know whether it's a shot shaping thing, whether it's you know the role that goes out. I really don't know why that those particular tournaments are the ones that have had a lot of crossover success, but they seem to be the ones. There was a new T box in 2022 for number 17 i didn't think it was going to be that important but you know now all of a sudden it has the highest double bogey or worse rate on the course so i guess it changed things a little bit i'll always remember the we'll get more to it because it was the covid year uh, that this happened when dustin beat brendan todd but i think brendan todd hit every fairway through three rounds which is kind of insane to think about in terms of DraftKings notes with hole eight and hole 10 really not being generous to the field. Going back to front is probably the optimal way you want to structure your showdown lineups that week. Uh, the end of the back nine is super tough. 16-17 might be the toughest tandem in 18. You know 18. It, it can play difficult. You can make bogey. You can birdie it as well, especially if it's a bit downwind. But if you can get the birdie on number 18, 
then you just have you know, the next three holes all carry a birdie or better rate of over 16%. So you can do it one, two, three and start a streak that way. Easier if you birdie 18 and then get the wrap around marginally. Like, you know, don't take some shit player over a good player because they start on the back nine. Not what I'm saying. Maybe it is what I'm saying, but it's not. It is not what I'm saying. Um, also, what else do we got here? Yeah, the second shortest course on the PGA Tours. PGA Tours regular rotation. It's another Pete Dye course. Both eight par fours, and those eight measure. I mean, me, ah, sorry. Eight par fours that measure between 400 and 450 yards. There's another two par fours below 400 yards, the notable one being number 15, the drivable 296-yard hole that over 90% of the field ends up going for. So I think that's a good time now to switch on over to fantasynational.com to take a deeper look into what the course is telling us. And, you know, it's a birdie fest. Let's be real about what this course is. Uh, You can see 25% birdie rate on number two, 35 on number six, 20 on number nine, uh, 21 on 11, almost 40% on number 13. And then you have almost 36% on number 15. The eagle rate, the eagle rate on 15 is actually pretty low for a drivable par four, only 1.5%, the second most eagleable hole on the course after 13. So just keep that in mind when we're going through. I mentioned the very short par fours, but when you take a look at the strokes gain numbers, especially in terms of the top five finishers, like approach means a ton, you're going to have to have a good putting week. It's just hard to win a birdie fest that way. And as is typical at most birdie fests, off the tee tends to mean a lot more than around the green. Uh, the more difficult the tournament, you see that flatten out a little bit. But it is curious to see, you know, some tournaments approach weighs almost three, three and a half times what off the tee does or around the green does in terms of the tee to green stats. This one is actually pretty flat. It's less than half or it's less than double what off the tee is. So it's almost a stroke per round, 0.9 strokes per round with approach. And then, you know, just over 0.5, a half stroke per round off the tee where you're looking at, you know, 0.34%, 34% um, uh, for around the green. So uh, interesting to see it come out that way. So a lot of different skill types of players. Like I just mentioned, Brendan Todd, Dustin Johnson were in the final group together. You couldn't find two more polar opposite players, except for the fact that they both hit wedges incredibly well. You can see these are the, this is the key range right here, 400 to 450 yards. There's eight par fours from that spot. And then you have the 50 to 175 bucket for approaches and then working yourself in the next biggest one is beyond 200 yards because of the longer par three and both of the par fives. But then you have almost 20% 125 to 150. So this 100 to 175, basically your wedge range is going to be super key and actually generating those birdie chances. The historic cut line, again, 156 players, top 65 in ties end up making the cut in 2022. It was minus one, minus one the year before that. The COVID year with the better field was minus three. So I would wager it probably leans more towards minus three than the minus one we have seen for the past five years because of the strength of that field. Driving accuracy much higher here than at your average PGA Tour event, uh, 69% on driving accuracy, 67% in greens and regulations. Scrambling is easier to do here at your average course, and there are fewer three putts. Uh, the driving distance is way down, only 280 
off the tee versus 283. I mean, it's not way down. It's three yards per player uh, on average. But a lot of guys just kind of scale it back to get to the whatever range that they want to get to. On some of these holes, you don't necessarily want to hit it 340 yards off the tee because then you have like that weird 40-yard pitch shot when you would just rather have you know a full wedge from 100 yards. You just lay back a little bit. We saw a bunch of guys do it on the drivable par four number six at LA Country Club this week as well. Want to go back in time, in history, and take a look at what has happened here. Obviously, Xander won a year ago, outdueling JT Poston and Sahith Tagala. Tagala got buried, buried in that bunker, and that was the end of him. He got caught in the lip. Thorbjörnsson, as an amateur, was fourth place here last year. He'll be playing again. The year before that was Harris English versus Kramer Hickok in that never-ending playoff that English ended up winning. Hey, Kevin Kisner was still good then, too. Actually, he was sixth place last year, too. See, Harmon. Harmon has four top tens in the past five years at this event. I thought that he won this event. Maybe I'm misremembering that. Maybe Bubba ended up winning that year. No, he's only won the Wells. Two wins in his career. And the Wells Fargo wasn't at Quail Hollow. It was at that other course, the year that Quail Hollow had the PGA Championship. Uh, so other guys, overall strokes gained at this event. Harmon, Cantlay, Shez, Streelman, and Young Gun, Kevin Streelman, and Xander Schauffele. Uh Rory will be in the field again this time. He's never finished inside the top 10. Cantlay plays it every year and finishes like somewhere between 10th and 15th almost every single year. Kind of funny to think about in that way. Mac Hughes has played this well. Keegan Bradley, the local guy. Obviously, he has played it, you know, some years he misses the cut. Some be Once you look beyond the past five years before that, he had two top tens uh, in that range as well. But 2020 is the year that I really want to dig into here to see what this can tell us. It's weird Dustin Johnson can win a tournament gaining zero strokes off the tee. Six on approach, six on the greens. Good enough to beat the rest of the good field. And this was a very strong field. Actually, I'm sorry, Brendan Todd ended up coming 11th. Bad day for Brendan Todd. It's kind of funny. Like, where are all the good players? Rory was down here in 11th. Cantlay, Siwoo, and Answer were both there as well. You got to give Siwoo. Siwoo has to be like a legitimate bet this week, regardless of how LA ends up going, whatever you think of him. It's just, it's a Pete Dye course. Play Siwoo Kim. Bet Siwoo Kim. He has like a, he'll win it once every, once every 10 years. He'll win like at this type of course, a shorter course where accuracy can mean a ton. You got like hot wedges and a hot putter. That's the Siwoo strategy to trying to win. You had Xander in the field. Spieth was in the field. Feel Patrick Reed was in the field that year. Casey and Sergio and Burns all played. Who are the guys that ended up missing the cut? I think Brooks ended up missing the cut. Bubba missed the cut. And this was the Bubba track, if there ever was one. Finau, Woodland, and Kokrak all missed the cut. And this is when they were good players. Horschel. Oh my god, Jamie Lovemark. Blast from the past, Jamie Lovemark. Who else? James Hahn. Justin Thomas finished very poorly, almost as bad as his finish this week in LA. Now, Wyndham Clark and Thigawa, Morikawa played very poorly that year. Cameron Smith played very poorly that year. Fitzpatrick, Cam Davis, Scotty Scheffler finished almost last uh, down there in the field. I mean, he didn't almost finish last. This is just sorted by everyone who missed the cut. It's not in order. Matthew Wolf, Ah, Peter Cust, or Quest, as he pretends to be called. We know you're Custy, Peter. Uh, he's actually, Peter Cust is kind of good. Let's see. Check out Custy Pete's stats here. He qualifies for these things. I don't think he's playing this week, but two pretty good tournaments in a row. Uh, can't chip to save his life, so don't play him anywhere. That requires, like, extreme difficulty and kind of blew it uh, in the final round at the RBC Canadian Open, but you know, pretty good stats for, like, a random dude that you could play that's, like, $6,000 on DraftKings. Um, I think that's probably good. We should probably dig into the field a little bit, right? So here's what we got going on this week. Uh, all of the, it's easier to tell you who's not playing rather than who is playing. Everyone's playing except 
Former champion Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, is not playing in this tournament. Tyrrell Hatton is not playing. Burns is not playing. And Justin Rose is not playing this week. So you're going to get your big three of Scotty, Rahm, and Rory, Cantlay, Vic, and Xander, and Fitz, and Morikawa, GT, Cam Young, Fleetwood, and Homa, Sungjae, Hideki, Keegan, and Day. They're all in the field this week, along with Finau, whose name I forgot to jot down. There we go. We'll add you to the list there, old Tony boy, and we'll be good to go. Wyndham Clark, Windy C in attendance. I wonder if he skips it if he ends up winning the U.S. Open. Tim might have to, like, fly and give him the biggest hug to, to save Cuss' reputation. We'll see how that, that ends up going. I have no idea what the conclusion of the U.S. Open is going to be. But it's nice to see Scotty Rahm, uh, Rory Zander, and Cantlay all playing in this field. Uh, I mean, they're the leaders in strokes gained total over the past 50 rounds. They've been the best players out there. But essentially, Rick or Hatton, Burns, and Rose, I don't believe, is Lowry playing? Yeah, Lowry's playing. Can't stop Shane Lowry. Dude wants to play every single week. Uh, but between uh, Burns, Rose, and Hatton, they all played in Canada. So it actually kind of makes sense that they're taking the week off this time around. Just to see the name on the page in front of me, obviously, again, I don't know how he's going to finish, but he's kind of lurking on the leaderboard at the U.S. Open is Eric Cole. That maybe he could just be the rando dude that ends up coming. What a life changer that would be for him if he ends up winning a designated event. Oh, that'd be incredible. And again, he played really well at the Honda. This should be the type of course that kind of suits his eye. But what I really want to look at is the modeling that I had previously done in other years. Try to take a look at the Travelers and see how it turned out. Good at the top. Uh, I, I just remember this one being really good. I'm really focusing on that 400 to 450 yards. So the way that I looked at it was ball striking off the tee plus approach at 25%. Approach by itself, 15 off the tee by itself. 10%. Not a large distribution between those two this week as we normally get. As I pointed out, we went back and looked at how the top five finishers go. Par fours, 5%. Par fours, 400 to 450. 10%. Par fives, 10%. Birdies are better gain five. Opportunities gain five. Around the green five. Five to 10, 10 to 15 putting. 5% apiece. Let's run it over the past 50 and see what that tells us about what we might be able to expect from the longer-term numbers from almost the entire year that we've seen since January, maybe even beyond that, depending on how many rounds a lot of these guys have played and who factors in the best at TPC River Highlands this week. Number one in the rankings, Scotty Scheffler. No, it's John Rom. Rom, Finau, Scheffler, Rory Cantlay long-term, then Xander, Windy C, Morikawa, Hovland Fowler. This really should be a really good Morikawa track. Uh, I mean, it always depends on whatever the putter ends up doing, but you just see like the approaches. We know how good the wedges have been. How's he played here? He's missed the cut and come 36. So it hasn't been a great shakes for him. And even as a drivable par four, which really used to be his jam, uh, not so much anymore. Let's look at that key par four range that I talked about. Scheffler, Finau, Rory. Oh, great. Morikawa. Okay. Taylor Montgomery. There's a name. That hasn't been doing anything. Dietrich, very good at holes from that range. Thigala, really good. I like Thigala a lot this week. I hope he can rally. He entered day three even at the U.S. Open. Denny, very good from that range. Rai, Kitayama, and Todd. The Todd five. Todd father redemption week. We'll see. Justin Suh is another one who's been way up there. Plays these holes really well. The ball striking, bad for Justin Suh. The short game, especially the putting, very good for him. And although, like, the approach numbers are, like, not great. They're, like, 90th in the field over that time frame. I guarantee you when we shrink down the sample size that he's going to elevate himself up throughout all that. But even at that point, like, his birdies are better gained were pretty high. His opportunities gained were higher than his approach numbers, which is always good to see. And he has, I mean, he had a really bad run of approach despite making most of those cuts. And then as soon as he starts, like, hitting the approaches pretty well— 
All of a sudden, it's game on for Sub. But that putter has been electric so far this season. Like he's just le- a legitimately good putter, and he's doing it again at the U.S. Open. So something to keep an eye on with him. Uh, more or less, what I want to go to now is past 24 rounds to see who has made any sort of jump in terms of the rankings that we're currently looking at. I'm guessing that Suh is probably going to be higher. Scheffler and Finau probably end up rounding it. I bet you Fleetwood ends up making a big jump. Most of the guys that have just experienced a lot of success recently. Let's see... Scheffler's one, Cantley's two, Rom, Clark, and Hovland. Then you got Ricky. Am I running this? So Ricky is playing? I didn't see Ricky's name on the list. Maybe maybe he's playing. Okay, because I was wrong about that. Or maybe I was right, and this is wrong, because it just takes the first scrape of the field. Uh, maybe he has ended up pulling out. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But, you know, Ricky looks like a good play if he plays. Always good to know. Rory, Fleetwood, Siwoo, Xander, Connors, Finau. Who's, like, not good who's up here? Rye, Cole, Woodland, Benny Ann, oh, Chen Yen Yu. Okay, so we got some more names. Griot and Shank. You just pair those two together. I mean, Shank's got to be close. He came close at Colonial. He came close at Valspar, which we called a comp course. So could be him. Jagger, Thomas. What has Jagger been up to? Hubbard. Maybe the Hubbard heater continues. Bramlett, Eckrote, and the Gim Reaper. The Gim Reaper had a good week in Canada. I haven't heard from Gim. He loves die courses. Like three pretty decent weeks in a row for the Gim Reaper. Okay. Welcome back, Dougie Fresh. And the ball striking is back to what he was doing in the earlier part of his career when, like, we jumped on the Doug Gim bandwagon. It was just like driving in irons, driving in irons, driving in irons. We're good, like, every week. That's three in a row. All right. Can't putt to save his life. Poor guy. Just abysmal on the greens. Looks like me out there, but still, good, good. The ball striking coming back is notable for Doug Gim, so we'll keep him on the radar for a little bit. This is Steven Yeager. Uh, the approach was good at Memorial, couldn't really drive. wonder how he has played. He is someone who owns a 58 in his career as well, so maybe he likes these types of tournaments. Uh, he's gained a ball striking both years that he has played here, 2022 and 2019. Uh, let's, I want to edit the custom model a little bit. I want to try to come up with some sort of way to account for, let's get rid of birdies are better gained and around the green. Let's just chuck those out because we have opportunities gained. We have a bunch of approach stuff anyway. I want to put in those select wedge ranges. So, I mean, this will go hand in hand with the par four scoring on those shorter holes, obviously, but we'll go 125 to 150 and 150 to 175 and throw in those two proximity ranges and see if that gives us any sort of different result. Because I do want to look at those in particular. I'm going to even throw in 100 to 125 just to, to look, just to have a peek. Just a little peek is all I want. So we'll go, you know, four, four and two, we'll call it. So nothing significant within the modeling, but just to have it on the screen for us to look at uh, and see if it changes anything up. We're still doing this for the past 24 rounds, and maybe we'll even try to look at how it is doing in terms of the historic time machine as well. I don't know if the time machine numbers are in yet. That's usually a Sunday thing that gets updated to the site or even a Monday morning thing, but it's something you can kind of go back and look at throughout time to try to figure it out. Uh, So adding in those and taking away around the green and birdies are better gained, yeah, no one really different. Rye moves up. Connors moves up. Siwoo all of a sudden is doing really well because he's amazing from 120 to 175. Uh, Rogers and Troy Merritt ended up getting a... Oh, no. It jumped on me there. There we go. Uh, Shank. 
Okay, so you know, Shank's good from 150 to 175, the big range this week. Benny Ann is still very good from there. Ben Martin pops up again. Carson Young, Mark Hubbard. Maybe this could be a Carson Young week. I know he missed the cut at the U.S. Open, but you know, no one expected him to do anything at the U.S. Open. You know, six in a row gaining on the greens, six in a row gaining with his approach play. Most of the time, good off the tee. You can see he lost at a at a lengthy Wells Fargo, but by and large, is a very good driver of the ball, more accurate than long off the tee. He's been a very popular DraftKings play as of late, and he's been pretty good. You know, he's not great when he's 14% owned. You'd probably want to take someone different at that point, but worth noting. Putnam, another guy who's been pretty good uh, and just very good the closer that you kind of get to the hole. You can see the par five has been really good. A lot of it's been his putter and just overall approach play, but some pretty decent finishes. Fifth at Memorial was having a good U.S. Open. No idea where he currently sits on the leaderboard. Top 30 at Colonial as well. I mean, a lot of it's going to be putter base, but you could probably do worse depending on what his price comes in. What's all Tommy Kim up to? Still great from 150 and in. This does feel like a big Tom Kim course. The driver's been good. The, the approach play, the putting and around the green has been really bad. I'm waiting for the revitalization of Tom Kim. And you always want to be a week early with those kind of things, but it's really hard to get behind it. One more look at Will Gordon as well. I remember the Will Gordon kind of breakout at this and Rocket Mortgage that one year. And let's see, is this his best finish on the PGA Tour? Tied for his best finish along with Mayakoba earlier this year. It was third in 2020, that year that I just talked about with the stacked field. He just couldn't miss. Guy was amazing that week. Uh, but it was 18th at the RBC Canadian Open and I mean, ball striking wise, probably the best in the field ball striking. Lost over three around the greens, over two on the greens. So you know, not great in that regard. Uh, Bent is better than Bermuda. Poa is better. And this is Bent with Poa in it. So maybe that can help him out. Just a little bit. Uh, we do have the Traveler's Time Machine. So let's go back and see how this model would have done last year. Uh, in the lead-up of the 24 rounds, previous to the Traveler's Championship. Again, I, I keep forgetting to do this every single week, but I think this is a very helpful exercise. And when I have Degenerate75, James, on on Tuesday, who is my very special guest, then uh, I think that uh, we can talk about his process and how he utilizes some of these tools because uh, he's been quite successful and has got one of the best tournaments on DraftKings, you know, outside of the Pat Mayo Experience Open. His has raked, but he got DraftKings to create a new style of tournament, which is just amazing. So heading into the event, Xander Thigal and Poston were all top 25 in that 150 to 175 bucket that we pointed out. Uh, their overall rankings. No one who really ranked highly in the model did all that well. Xander was 11th. Who was the best? Let's see, Cantley, Spieth, Scheffler. Spieth missed the cut. T13 for Scotty and Cantley. Wyndham Clark was fourth. Fowler, Neiman was up there as well. Siwoo, Rye. Yeah, so it wasn't great going in. Let's take a look at 2021 for the time machine. See if that was any better. And it's going to be very difficult to do for 2020 because those guys only had two rounds or two tournaments, sorry, you know, at max coming out of being off for four months when the COVID uh, situation happened and there was no golf to be had. Time Machine takes a little bit to load, obviously. And we are still working on some cool things coming through. Cantley, Scheffler, Ricky, Wyndham. Why is it showing me this? Oh, yeah, there's their finish. Uh, Fowler and Windy C both had very poor tournaments that time around. Rose and Brooks. Brooks ended up coming fifth. All right, so a little bit better performance. Let's take a look at the finishes and see how these guys did. So Brooks was really the only guy in Straka and Cantlay who were 1, 6, and 11 coming in. They got like Kisner and Lebiota 
uh, not playing the best of golf. Leishman was up there as well. So different things that you can look at. Um, so it hasn't been super successful. It used to be very successful at the top, but that has just not been the case as of now. So that is the preview for the Travelers Championship. I do want to start shrinking these down a little bit. You don't need to hear me yammering on for an hour a week trying to get you ready for the tournament. What I want to do is provide a quick preview that people can consume, digest, go on fantasynational.com slash mayo to get the 20% off if you're not a member as of right now and go fool around with all the filters. And maybe you saw something that I did that I didn't do, but you want to do and go research that more. Fantasy National is the king of doing those things. Super easy to use as well. But we're going to guess the odds before we get out of here. You're going to have your big three, Scotty, Rom, and Rory. I got them at seven, eight, and 10 in that order. Scotty, Rom, and Rory. A lot of this has to do with what is happening at the U.S. Open. If one, if Scotty wins or if, if Rory wins, whatever that might be, you know how that affects it. I'm just putting, giving an objective view right now of where guys sit and what we're thinking about going into the tournament. I think that there is a next tier of three guys, Cantley, Vic, and Xander, 12, 16, and 16. 12 for Cantley, Vic, and Xander, both at 16 to 1. Again, if Xander wins, he's going to be like 10 to 1, considering he would just have won a major and is the defending champion at this event. Then we got a big range of players. I didn't include Ricky because I'm still not entirely convinced he's playing, but you know he'll slot into this like 30 range, 20, between 25 to 1 and 35 to 1 if he doesn't win the U.S. Open. But I have Finau at 20, Fitz and Morikawa both at 22, then Cam Young at 25 to 1, Justin Thomas at 28 to 1, which could be even bigger considering he shot 38 over par in two rounds at the U.S. Open. The only guy who found the course super difficult the first two days. But I still have him at 28 to 1. Has never really played this tournament all that great. I think like once he played it well. Uh, other than that, it's been a real shit show for him. Fleetwood at 30, Homa at 33, Sungjae Im at 35, along with Hideki. And then we're into Jason Day at 40 to 1. Keegan and Thigala both at 45 to 1. Connors at 50. Siwoo Kim at 55. And I'm really curious to see how Bennett, Thorbjörnsson, and Aberg get priced in the market. As you will remember, Aberg opened, I mean, I know a couple of people, Tambo and Jeff included, who bet him at like 150 to 1 when the RBC Canadian Open opened. Uh, at a certain book who were hanging these numbers, but Aberg was like 60, 55 to one at almost every other place at open stuck around there. He actually had a really nice week. We can actually take a look back at him here for a second. Let's see our guy, Aberg. Man, so much off the tee. So good. And that was a shorter course too at Oakdale. This could really play to his advantage here. Like, now, we saw Morikawa win right away um, within like three months. We saw Wolf win right away. I mean, Vic didn't win right away, but he was sniffing wins right away. And like these guys, see, I don't know if they're going to be as good as that trio, but like Aberg's a real player. We're seeing Sam Bennett's a real player. And Thor Bjornsson, I really don't know that much about him. He's still an amateur, so um, eventually he'll turn professional and we'll see. But once these guys turn professional and get going, I think Bryson ended up inside the top 10 at Heritage the week after he became a professional after the Masters that year when I think it's still his best Masters finish as an amateur. Then he turns pro and boom, he's off to the races. So I'm not sweating these guys at all. In fact, they might be some of the better values on the board unless they catch all the steam like if sam bennett comes third at the u.s open then you know he's gonna be pricey coming in and his odds are gonna be deflated then i would take aberg over him at that point instead that will do it on the pat mayo experience thank you all for watching smash the like sub to the channel and getting that 500 giveaway by subscribing rating and reviewing and hell downloading all right 
the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Listener's League will become available on Monday. We'll have a full slate of shows this week. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience! Experience! Hey, Ohio, have you heard the buzz? Slingers Signature Cocktails are the new go-to to to go. Slingers are convenient, canned, cocktail-inspired flavored beverages that bring you delicious flavors like Bahama Mama, Peach Screwdriver, and Pineapple Punch with 8% ABV. They pack a punch at a price you can't beat. No time to make fancy cocktails? Don't want to break the bank on a night out? Slingers has you covered. Blast your taste buds, not your wallet. Grab Slingers today. American Fermentation Company, Boston, Massachusetts. Please drink responsibly.